nowadays, our kids and people in general are taught to be the victim. Hillary Clinton was the expert at this. She would come across as the poor little soul undeservedly being attacked by the Republicans as she portrayed herself as a nice, wonderful lady just trying to help mankind and womankind. But as we found out, as time went on, it was just a mask that she hid behind to do her dirty work. Because if somebody comes across as a victim, it's hard to see them as a bad guy or a bad woman. And as I said, these kids are taught to be victims to get their way, to get free stuff, whatever they can get. I was listening to this young high school graduate about to enter college talking about doing his laundry. He said, I can't see myself doing my own laundry. No, I can't because my mom always did it for me. And I asked him, well, what are you going to do about that? He said, I'll get some girl to do it. All I got to do is play the victim. Oh, it's my freshman year. So difficult adjusting. A lot of classes and schoolwork. And there's so many demands from the football team that I have no time to do my laundry. I wish I could get a little help. At which time... Some girl will suggest, I'll help you out. I'll do it. And then he would say, oh, no, you don't have to. And she would say, that's okay. I'd be happy to do it. Little did she know that she'd be doing it for the first semester and a half before a better-looking girl came along to take her responsibilities over. I just thought it was funny. Oh, I'll just play the victim I'll get my way, and you know what? He will. There'll be a line out the door of young girls begging to do his laundry because he's a tall, good-looking guy on the football team. Imagine that. Hey, as we all grow up and mature into young adults and older adults, should there be some kind of goal we should be striving for other than trying to get somebody to do our laundry? Should we be developing and materializing into a particular something? Is there an end game? Well, according to the Bible, there absolutely is. The book says, Men should regard us as servants of Christ and administrators of the mysteries of God. Yeah, listen to those words. We are to be servants and ambassadors along with administrators of Jesus Christ. In other words, be his apostles. Don't be ashamed or quiet when you need to speak up. Let's defend the faith when necessary. And we all need to do this to a certain point with family members, friends, and acquaintances. If we're not going to do it, who will? The book says the first requirement of an administrator is that he prove trustworthy. Oh yeah, got to be honest and trustworthy. Are you? Or perhaps you're more on the shady side, on the wrong side of the tracks, perhaps. Because once somebody lies to you, the whole relationship changes because you can't trust them anymore and begin to think, how much were they lying to me previous to them getting caught? But hopefully you can make amends somehow, but sometimes you can't and the friendship 
just simply goes sour, goes south, where it can't survive the damage. In which case, you just forgive and forget. And just not associate with them anymore. But it is difficult to forgive and forget sometimes in certain situations. Especially if he or, ch- if he or she tried to steal away your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's a tough one to get over. Unless you were looking to break up anyway. In fact, maybe you staged this with your friend just for that reason. To break it off. You never know. But whatever the case, keep your behavior above board. Don't you yourself become deceptive in any way to the deter- to determine, uh, to, to the detriment, rather, of yourself and others. Because honesty is definitely the best policy. Just be honest and respectful and let the chips fall where they may. If somebody can't take what you're saying, then that's on them. That's their issue, issue to deal with, not yours. The book says, it matters little to me whether you or any human court pass judgment on me. I do not even pass judgment on myself. You see, when you walk with God and imitate Jesus following in his footsteps, that's all that matters to you. Because once you're born again, everything else takes care of itself. You no longer answer to anybody other than God Almighty and Jesus. As long as you're obeying their commandments, doctrines, and statutes to the best of your ability, then that's all that's important. Now, naturally, there are other things important in life, but they should never surpass that of the primary reason we are all here on earth in the first place. To once again be servants, administrators, and ambassadors for Jesus till our dying day. The book says, mind you, I have nothing on my conscience, but that does not mean that I am declaring myself innocent. So if you can look in the mirror and smile back at yourself, then that's a good thing. A good thing that you have no guilt eating you up inside in some area of your life. Nobody needs that. As you now have obtained the love, peace, happiness, and joy within yourself. As much as we can handle being a human being. And if anybody thinks ill of you for bogus reasons, then who cares? That's really none of our concern anymore. You can love me or hate me. It doesn't really matter. Your judgment on me is essentially worthless. Because ultimately, in the end, Jesus will be the one to judge me. And as long as I have a clear conscience and a pure heart, there's nothing to fear. So let's all stay in our lane And become a better person first and foremost. And then help others, if you can, without passing judgment on them. Because you don't know the whole story on anybody that you meet, including your family members. You can still bring honest conversation to them and constructive criticism for sure. But don't overstep your bounds and condemn them to death. That's not our place. It never was. It never will be. The book says, the Lord is the one to judge me, so stop passing judgment before the time of his return. And at that final judgment, everything will be exposed. You do know that, right? All your little secrets that you think nobody knows about will be put on the table for all to see. And don't try to deny what you've done, because you won't have a leg to stand on. 
There's no defense for the sickness that went on in your head. Manifest it through your behavior. I can just see some people telling Jesus at the judgment, Oh, no, that wasn't me. Oh, no, I wasn't there. I was at home watching the Eagles. Oh, no, I didn't screw that guy over. You must have, you must have me confused with somebody else. And no, that wasn't me stealing from work or taking that money. I would never even think of such a thing. Please, keep your lame excuses to yourself. No human ever believed your lame stories on earth, and Jesus certainly won't either. Hey, y'all, I'm Billy Bob. I was a gator hunter from Mississippi, IA. And I'm Alfredo from Alfredo's Pizzeria. And if we can be a best of friends without the fighting, then everyone should be able to do the same. Even though I think Billy Bob is four eggs short of a dozen to put his hands around Gator Mouse for a living. Safer than putting my hands in an 800-degree pizza oven, singeing off my knuckle hair, I'll tell you what. But never mind all that. We each bond with Jesus Christ. We's on his team, which makes me on Alfredo's team. So I can forgive a Billy Bob for spitting the chew tobacco into my face when he gets excited and talks too fast, and ignoring the stacks of bald tires in his front yard. Just as I forgive Alfredo for serving me nothing but pasta for the past 20 years, and also using chopped walnuts as a pizza topping, which is way too squirrely, even by my standards. So our message is to keep a God close for all our sakes, and to listen to Don't Bring Up God on WAEB Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. Y'all take care now, hey? Billy Bob, don't forget your ground gator, gizzard, and garlic stromboli on your way out, with, of course, some pasta on the side. Thanks, Alfredo. Use a true friend. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, this has something to do with friendship, I'm sure. Honey, I'll always love you. To always love you Cause I think the whole world of it You can't change that No, no If not There's love nothing you can do or say Thought about this for many a day And my mind's made up to feel this way And you can't change that Yeah, yeah So as soon as possible We should ask for forgiveness and repent Which means to change those things in our lives that you know aren't right to do. As a rule of thumb, if you can't say something or do something in front of your mother, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. The book says, He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and manifest the intentions of the heart. In the Bible, it says, God will judge our heart. We look at people today and sometimes assess them as the bad guy or label them the good guy. But we really don't know. We're judging from the outside using circumstantial evidence. We really can't see their heart. Sometimes we really don't know their true intentions and motives. And you know what? We don't have to know. Because God knows. Yeah, knows everything. Can't get over on them. So with that last judgment, 
we will be judged in a fair and honest fashion, according to justice, according to what is right and wrong, according to your true intentions behind your actions. The book says, at that time, everyone will receive his praise from God. Did you hear that? We will be praised by God. Usually it's the other way around, where people think it's just a one-way street, but it isn't. Several parts of the Bible tell us that God will praise us for seeing the light and bowing to Him, our Father, our Protector, and Guardian, praising us for fighting the good fight and for doing our very best in loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Hey, did you ever notice that mountains are mentioned throughout the Bible? Isaac took his kid up to to be sacrificed on a mountain. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The transfiguration took place on a mountain. Ezekiel was taken up high on a mountain, looking down on the lands and the people. Jesus prayed up on the mountains, as the book says. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I think people in general thought that the higher elevation that you were on, the closer you were to God in heaven. I think the Tower of Babel was built in part because of that, because it was a very high tower with steps encircling the structure leading upward. Even pagan gods called, uh, as we know, called uh, Baal and Moloch, just like they worshipped them, those guys, whoever they were, the the false god knuckleheads that they were, they worshipped them in so-called high places. Nowadays, I know people that love hiking upward on mountains, taking in all the fresh air and beauty of nature, and they tell me they feel closer to God. So I don't know exactly what's going on here. I'll let you guys figure it out. Even a lot of churches, especially built many years ago, always had very high steeples, getting more and more pointy the higher it got. And sometimes there was a cross on the very tip. Is this the same kind of philosophy going on here? I really don't know. I'm not sure. To me, whether I'm up high in a plane or down lower swimming in an ocean, either way, I feel God's presence. Your physical location is irrelevant, at least for me. Unless you find your physical location located in between two guys that are just about to fight, ready to throw punches, in which case location is very important. Unless you want a black eye or a split lip, you better exit the premises immediately. Run for the hills like I I used to do every time there was the slightest sign of trouble. Does that make me a coward? Or a survivalist, like on that TV show Survival, where they threw you on an island naked with 15 other people desperate for attention? The book says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The funny thing about this quote is that you have to be thirsty first in order to get the help. If you're not searching for a better way, for some type of solution to your problems, 
then apparently you're all hunky-dory and don't need or seek a savior. But if you're honest with yourself in this real world, without drugs or alcohol to lean on, then more than likely you're going to be vulnerable and hurting in some capacity, which in turn will make you thirsty for that cool drink of water, that cool drink of somebody helping you, saving you, and rescuing you. The book says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Did you hear that? If anybody thirsts. Because if nobody's thirsting, then you're wasting your time trying to spread the word of God in many cases. Because that person thinks he's self-sufficient. Everything is going smoothly. I don't need anybody's help, especially yours, especially God's. So keep that in mind in your conversations. Like that line in the Bible says about throwing pearls to swine. Some people aren't ready to appreciate and accept the knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, and understanding that comes directly from God. But they will. One day, they will. Hey, did you see in the news more and more lately that Bill Gates has been injecting animals with mRNA? Apparently because they fart too much. And you think I'm making that up? That's exactly what he said. The kook. This mRNA and whatever else he's injecting into these farm animals will end up in our bodies one day. You know that, right? And you think that's a good thing? Whatever happened to all natural products, as clean and as pure as possible to put in our bodies, whether it's food or water, Gates and his cronies don't want to hear anything about that because they are continuing to act like God and rearrange the whole system that God laid out since the beginning of time. So yes, it's time to go to private farming in your community and set up exchange or barter for food in one way or another, because this depopulation thing is real. They want to whittle it down by billions. And us talking on radio shows ain't going to stop it. Because these billionaires and trillionaires will buy up all the levers of power one way or the other. Gates already owns most of the farmland in the United States. You know that, right? And he can do whatever he wants with it, anything he pleases. Just like me owning one hour a week on this radio station because I pay for it. Nobody ever tells me what I can say and not say. If I want to lie through my teeth, then that's my prerogative. And since I brought it up, how do you know that I'm not? How do you know that I'm not frauding you every step of the way? Promoting something that I don't believe in? Is that possible? Well, the answer to that is an emphatic Come, no. There's absolutely no need to get upset or worried that I'm conning you. No, because I'm not. Now, the board guy might from time to time, but I never have and never will. For the record. And in regards to the psychopathic globalists trying to enslave and kill us, we absolutely have to do our due diligence and try to stop them in any way that we can. But above all else, we need to pray. 
because prayer is our most effective weapon. Just like Jehoshaphat did in the Old Testament when fighting against impossible odds. Let's just say what he said, that these evil forces against us are monstrous and gigantic. We are powerless to defend ourselves. We have no idea what to do. So, Lord, our eyes are towards you for direction and protection. Please tell us what to do. And God did exactly that. Jehoshaphat, along with David, when fighting Goliath, realized that the battle is God Almighty's and not ours. So God will fight for us, as he did back then. For our part, we need to become born again as soon as possible. Find out what it means, and then be it, and then tell everybody else about it. As you start listening to people's problems and find out that they have a whole laundry list of difficulties, from small to large, maybe 20, 30 different things. But here's what you do. There's no way you can address each topic. So just tell them who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did for you and I. That Jesus helps us, saves us, and rescues us through all the crapola. Just get born again and everything else will take care of itself. Born again with a new attitude and perspective on life. Receiving a new heart and a new spirit to become a new man and a new woman. And all that you have to do to get all that is follow Jesus. Just like he told his apostles, come follow me. Not to argue, fight, debate, and challenge his views. No, come follow me. And learn how to live from me. Now, are we willing to do that or aren't we? You have the freedom to choose. At least for now we do. Because one day soon, believing in Jesus might mean a warrant out for your arrest. And worse yet, it may mean your death. Under those circumstances, are you still going to believe? Because the eye of the government is watching us at every moment. Knowing what we think, what we do, what we like, what we dislike, what we say, where we go. And one day, they will lower the boom. And if one day they have to send us to these empty warehouses all over the place to re-educate us or to enslave us or to outright kill us, then that's exactly what they're going to do. You don't think that it, that never happened in history? Governments have starved and killed their people by the millions And you think they lost a wink of sleep over it? No, because it makes them happy. And as long as they stalk us the way they do by the technology that they utilize, we don't have a chance. Now, on the lighter side of things, did you ever stalk anybody? I did. Yeah, I'm not afraid to admit it. I think the statue of limitations is up anyway, so I'm safe. There were two incidences, once in high school and once in college, and all out of the desperation to meet and have a girlfriend. There was this one girl who got off the bus the same time every day, and every now and then I'd be lurking around in my car, watching and looking, just to get a glimpse of her, maybe to pull up and talk to her, which I never did. Uh, You know, at that time, I had no idea what I was doing, but I did it a couple times, And felt like a fool, if not a weirdo. So I stopped. 
realizing this strategy will get me nowhere except maybe 5 to 10. The other time I met this girl at a nightclub and didn't get her name or phone number, but I knew she went to NACAC. So sometimes when I was supposed to be in college, I took a bus to NACAC to search her out, to go in there over lunchtime trying to find this girl. And I never did see her. I don't know what I would have done if I did, because no one really takes too kindly to an unknown frazzled stalker reeking with desperation. Yeah, that was me. And after two trips out there, I decided, no, this is another losing strategy. At that point, I thought it was time to look in the mirror and ask, what is wrong with you, you kook? Knock it off, I told myself, with this strange behavior before it gets worse. You know, if there were drones back then, I probably would have sent one to the bus stop or to the school or to their house if I knew where it was. So the bottom line is, stop with the stalking. Oh, I don't get it. Don't bring up God. Sounds like a show for atheists. But when I tune in, it's God this and Jesus that. What am I in church? Nevertheless, comrade, I found myself listening to that kooky, nutty Robert. He makes me laugh at some of the things he comes up with. Where did they find him anyway? Back by the dumpster, looking for food, no doubt. Whoa, I realized after a couple months that he was just as flawed and confused as I was throughout my life. I find myself relating to him as a regular guy who believes in this Jesus person. I doesn't know if I was a little punch drunk or what from listening to him, but some of this stuff he's articulating is beginning to make sense to me. So whether you believe or disbelieve, I recommend Don't Bring Up God to Everybody on WAB Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. Give that dude Robert a call at 610-720-7900. He's quite the conundrum. He can sound like a whack job sometimes, but then still makes sense. Oh, I'm so confused. Here, here comes the heaven song. No. Woo! I used to make a better song, but my voice can't handle it anymore. It used to be a lot more crisp. Favorites, if not the. of prison like he just did the new one world order is working day and night to break us down and by the way there's no calls today just so you know no calls yeah the, the new world order the one world order use any terminology you like they work hand in hand with christians the jewish and the and the muslim leaders to create a nebulous unity yeah that's what they do that's what they're doing now a one world religion that does not include Jesus. 
And it's very interesting that this false peace is thrown around more and more. That the fighting all over the world will stop and there will be peace, especially between the Arabs and the Jews, because of this one world uniting together. A new ceasefire and peace treaty will be struck as they forecast. Which brings me actually back to the Bible. Because the Bible speaks very clearly of some type of leader or antichrist striking peace for three and a half years. After which time it all blows up in our face and goes haywire, ushering in the final disasters of the world to take place. And before that begins, I believe that America must fall first, which is the last bastion of freedom and independence that we have. It must be destroyed into a third world country. Anybody with eyes can see it happening as we speak. And it started generations ago and picked up strong in the last 40 to 50 years. Led by our presidents, by the way. Yeah, you heard me. If I hear another recording of Bush talking about a new one world order with a thousand points of light, which many say lends credence to the Illuminati, among other people. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. So just understand what's been, what's been going on for a very long time and prepare yourself. And what do I mean by that? I mean to give your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Get on your knees, repent, and make amends. Ask for forgiveness and spend the rest of your life serving the Lord. That's what I mean by preparing not by building a bomb shelter or storing up a basement full of tuna fish to live on. Are you serious? The end of the world means the end of life, the end of your existence. You, you think you can stop it? You have no chance. The book says, no, I'm not ready for the book says, but I will shortly. I remember my uh, state trooper friend who was on the show a couple times in the past, asking me if I talked to my invisible friend today, meaning God and Jesus. And we're good friends still, with two opposite opinions. He is an atheist that does not believe in the, in the Bible, or in God, or any of it. And I am somebody who gladly forfeited my controls of my life, and gave them to God. Because in the Bible, it says very clearly that God has a special plan for you and I in our lives. And that's more than good enough for me. Yeah, it is. Because whatever God got for me, it's a trillion times better than whatever I can muster up on my own on this planet. So as far as my invisible friend goes, he's just doing fine. To tell you the truth, Jesus is invisible for now because I can't see him. And he is my friend, so invisible friend is not too far off the mark at all. Now is it? When I started this Don't Bring Up God show, coming up on seven years ago, seven years ago, board guy, can you believe that? Seven years. And our friendship hasn't moved one inch forward since the first day I met you. You know that. I don't know this guy anymore any less, any more, any better than I did the first time I met him and shook his hand. Tell me that's not strange. And that's not on my part. We're going to blame the board guy for that. I'm very sociable and inviting. 
Him, on the other hand, you got to break a code to get through him somehow, some way. He's locked up, and I don't know the combination. Do you? <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I started this Don't Bring Up God show, one of my friends from volleyball called me a festering splinter. Man, was he right. Because I did get under his skin, and now under all of yours. But I make no apologies about that. If I have to be a thorn in somebody's side, I'm glad to do it. As long as I steer them towards believing in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit of the Bible. Paul in his writings actually mentions some kind of a thorn in his side. And he prayed to God at least three times that it would leave him. Maybe it was some kind of physical ailment or actual person. Who knows? But it was a thorn in his side. And God responded to him and said, no, that thorn in your side will remain with you for your entire life. And why? So you don't get conceited to humble you, to keep you grounded. Because so-called negative things that we have to deal with in life keep us in our place. Yeah, yeah, they do. It keeps us from getting a big head. When things totally go our way without any problems or difficulties whatsoever, where you start feeling yourself and thinking that you're so great and everybody else is not, man, don't, don't you just hate people that show off and constantly attempt to get you to think that they are on top of the world, that they are invincible, and that they are so special. They're so special. Like that Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketch years ago with the church lady interviewing people at her, at her desk saying, isn't that special? Aren't you special? Dana Carvey played her, who was best friends with Mike Myers. Yeah, they were best friends and did a lot of things when they were both on Saturday Night Live. But what happened after? Myers, I, I don't believe he put Dana... In one of his movies after Wayne's World. Yeah, friendships come and go. Like food. Comes into the mouth. And goes out the anus. Can I say that word? I mean, it's a biological term, right? Stop being so wishy-washy. And scared of words. It's just a word. Now, I mentioned that Saturday Night Live thing. That uh, the church lady saying... Aren't you so special? Isn't that special? Now, you would think that the board guy would jump right on that, but he couldn't because he left the room. He just leaves the studio and leaves me in here all by myself. What am I supposed to do with that? It throws me off. I always threaten that I'm going to lock the door, put up a chair up, up uh, on the doorknob and keep them locked out and hold myself hostage in this studio. Yeah, I can get on the on the on the nightly news. Maybe I should do that. But huh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> you are so proud of yourself back there. That is pretty good. I'd like to hear that again. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that's a nice wine. All right, I, I'm 
I'm not going to try to fight back on that. I'm just going to concede, let the board guy win, let him go on his merry way. I'm, I'm not going to debate him and battle him. No. He wins with that new, that new ditty. It used to be the baby crying, but that sounded like a, I don't know, seven, eight-year-old girl. Pretty effective, I must say. <laughs> where, do you, where do you get that? <laughs> Take one portion of Robert, one measure of board guy, three octaves of voice guy, many handfuls of listeners and callers. <laughs> Stir them well in a cast iron cauldron and simmer for 60 minutes. <laughs> then you've just brewed. Don't bring up God. Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 on WAEB. <laughs> and don't you dare forget to add pinches of humor, anger, and laughter. <laughs> Spiced with sincerity, honesty, and truth. If this doesn't tantalize your taste buds, then I recommend you dump this whole cauldron of brew over your head. I hear it's great for hair stimulation and growth. <laughs> now, if you got something to say, or even if you don't, feel free to call the Don't Bring Up God Show live at 610-720-7900. And if you can manage to call the show dead, then by all means. That number again is 6 610-720-7900. No, we're not taking calls today. We'll start up next week. So save it for next week and bring it on then. <clears throat> and talking about this one world order, as I was doing earlier, trying to figure out who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. You know what? I'm sick of playing this game. To me, it's a big waste of time for the most part. It's got to stop. Let's fill more of our time with God. Because when you stand before Jesus and are judged in the end, you think you're going to be asked any questions about Klaus Schwab or George Soros? No. Nobody's interested in those two kooks. They're not going to have any bearing on your salvation. So why are you giving them so much free time of yours? They don't deserve it, the wackadoos. If anything, you should be praying for these characters. What must have happened in their lives to skew them so much off the course of normalcy? Uh, very weird. The point is that we only have so much time in a day, in a month, in a year. And so much time in our lives is wasted on this wild goose chase structured in a political system. We should spend more time in the Word of God, praying and helping others. All that other garbage will take care of itself. God will handle it. He'll bring justice into this world or the next. Forget about these people that torment us and wish harm on us. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's God's department not ours. Although we still must do our due diligence and be aware and act to stop them if we can. I'm not saying that you don't. But be careful of the massive amounts of time you spend with Satan's minions, where you could be spending most of that time worshiping God and being a child of God and loving your neighbor with peace, happiness, and joy. Don't be distracted away from God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, because that's what seems to be happening all around us. 
And if we have to sacrifice more because of circumstances around us, then so be it. God has allowed it, so let's deal with it. Because sacrifice is a big part of life. You know that, right? Don't think you're going to get uh, get along and go through 80 years of life without sacrificing in one way or another. You know, and, and that's what people don't understand about marriage, by the way. Marriage is a big compromise, and, and you sacrifice for your wife, for your kids, and you yourself are put on the back burner. Other people come ahead of you now. And if you don't have that sacrifice mentality, then you're out of luck. Your marriage ain't going to last. Jesus sacrificed for us, so we must do the same for him, right? And we must sacrifice for others and actually for ourselves. That's just part of being a Christian. So let's be less concerned about riches and power and more about our rewards and treasures in heaven. Don't worry yourself with things down here, but rather focus on things above. Hey, what do you uh, listen to more nowadays, huh? Do you listen to talk radio or music stations when you're driving in your car or at home? What what, what do you like better? I think as you get older, it's more talk. But if you want to listen to a beautiful, a beautiful inspired music, then I got some advice and recommendations. You need to search the internet for Stephanie Gretzinger. Stephanie Gretzinger. She's like an angel sent by God. Incredibly sincere. And her songs get gets millions of views. Like, like her song entitled Refiner. And another one called Confident. Yeah, just listen to them when you're down or sad for some reason. Or if you're happy and ecstatic. When you're doing chores for work or through through exercising. She's incredibly awesome. That's Stephanie Gretzinger. Her last name is spelled G-R-E-T Zinger. Z-I-N-G-E-R. Stephanie Gretzinger. G-R-E-T Z-I-N-G-E-R. And she sings with other people like this gentleman. Oh, this one made me cry. She's coming. By sacrifice.
and the the intensity in the room and their facial expressions and their focus is really amazing to watch as they're singing. So that's why the videos are so great. I mean, man, I wish I could sing like that. And uh, she, she got a little taste of her in that song, but there's so much more that she offers, and you got to tap into it. Stephanie Gretzinger. And uh, she definitely has received a gift from God. There ain't no doubt about that. So many times, just by the tone of her voice and sincere lyrics, I cry, like I said. Brings a tear to my eye. And sometimes you don't even know why you're crying. My wife and I went to uh, see the Tramps years ago who played Disco Inferno for the Saturday Night the Saturday Night Fever movie with John Travolta. You guys know, remember them. You remember that movie, right? I'm telling you, at this concert with the Tramps, they started to play a song, and one of the guys started singing for just like five seconds. That's it. I started to cry. The particular decibel tone level of his voice somehow did it to me. So powerful. Or maybe I just cried because I was a baby wussy. Yeah, that's always possible. Is this a Tramps? I guess. Not Disco Inferno, though. Something else. Another biggie, though, in the disco era. You listen to this as you frolic through the park. Frolic. This is a frolicking song. years ago a lot better than it is lately don't you agree first of all you can understand what they're saying and it's all positive it's fun it's happy what's wrong with that it's a beautiful thing especially that disco inferno song that i mentioned by the tramps burn baby burn dancing on stage with their big bell-bottom pants flapping in the wind burn baby burn all right i gotta stop doing that there it is Oh, I wish I could make those noises when I was young. He comes on. There we go. Wake up, everybody. Dancing, not you guys, just the women. Come on, get up and dance. In your slippers, go ahead. You guys should sit down. And when these cats would be performing they all danced in unison oh yeah all dressed the same i thought i was seeing quadrupled 
Yeah. You know when you get punched in the face, in the eye, you see double? Well, if you get punched in the other eye, you'll see double again. So two plus two makes four. That would make quadrupled. And that's how it seemed when I, were li- when I was listening to these cats. Hey, if you got another song back there, uh, board guy, feel free to shoot it. Shoot that gun of music. Press that button on the jukebox, that jukebox brain of yours. Yeah, yeah. You're the man. And now I'm trying to listen to the song. Come on, you can come up with one. We got like a minute or two left. This is a little bit more mellow. Let's go. Everybody up, dance. Sunday morning. Jim and Frank, sit down. I don't want to watch you gyrate like that. That gives me no comfort. Yeah, they, they had a lot of good hits, just like the Bee Gees did. The Bee Gees played with uh, Travolta, one of his movies also, right? When he was walking the streets, real tough and cool. What was that called? I'll never remember. It'll take me a year to come up with it. But the Bee Gees? Who don't like the Bee Gees? We'll have to hit them another time. Bee Gees! Everybody now. Bee Gees! Hey, all roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Open up, let me in.